0: show history on the box with katie and allie normally it would just be allie and i hanging out with a couple of cocktails talking about famous women in history but sometimes we like to talk to people who are writing about history
1: we have a very special guest here with us today kathy a lewis Kathy is a classically trained chef with some very prestigious work <laughs> history that I was excited to read about. But today she's here to talk about the discovery she made after the passing of her father and her new book called The Road We Took. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Sure. So um, I was raised in upstate New York and um, moved to Nashville actually um, 25 years ago. Uh, to open a business, I did a market survey and a demographic study on Nashville. And at the time, it was one of the top 10 growth cities, which has proven to be absolutely true. It's crazy here. Um, but I, I moved here and opened up a very successful little, little business. Didn't know one person. Um, but through that little business, I've met every single person that I'm, I'm connected with today. It's really, it's really crazy. Like I said, when I moved here i didn't know anyone um and it was through my business that I got connected with all the people that are very much a part of my life today and like you've probably seen on my um website that I cooked for ashley judd and and traveled with her quite a bit to movie sets and things like that, and cooked for her and It kind of been incorporated into their family uh with Winona and Naomi for a very long time so We have a long history together. Um, And then another really good friend of mine who started out as a customer is one of the top wine collectors in the country. And I helped him move his 30,000 bottle collection um, of wines. And these are all like highly collectible wines, you know, not the kind of thing you can go into a liquor store and buy. Um, So that's been a really cool thing. Um, And... I recently um dove into writing um only because well I shouldn't say only because I always wanted to write. Let me let me preface and say that I I always wanted to write, but I never felt like I had the skills necessary to write. Um being a chef, you write menus and you know um recipes and things like that. You don't need a lot of really good writing skills um, for that. So, um, this has been kind of a brand new, uh, career for me at the ripe old age of 64.
0: Well, that's great. I mean, it's never too late to start.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I read the other day too, that they find with women, like our most productive ages are between, I think it's something like 62 and 68, and I could be way off on these numbers, with 70 being the peak of, like, most productive. Huh. So that gives you something really to look forward to. I mean, I'm only a few years away from that. But for you, you know, that that's really encouraging, I think, um, for the longevity of your career, that your best days are really ahead of you.
1: Mm-hmm. I love it. It gives me some time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it
2: does. It does. It kind of opens up that whole window to, like, you know all kinds of possibilities because I think our culture is so much um, tuned into this idea, and, and and I I wouldn't say all of our culture, but you know where it's like you you've got to get everything done before you're forty or something like that. Some some really weird premise like that, yeah. That you know, like either you have to have your family or your kids, or complete your education, or be well into your career by then, and. That doesn't. That's not necessarily true. So, you've got a lot of time ahead of you, girls, to do lots of wonderful, (laughs) wonderful things. And I highly encourage you to do that.
1: That is encouraging. Yes. (laughs) So we did. We did have to go out on a limb and get uncomfortable because we make cocktails for all of our guests, and we were like, "Well, this one's like a famous chef." So, (laughs) so (laughs) we made a cocktail for your book, and it's. A gin and tonic, but there's a spin on it. We wanted to make it a little bit more Boy scouty, So it's a, a blueberry gin and tonic. And cool. blackberry, oh, blackberry blackberry, gin yeah. and tonic. Um, <laughs> so that? it's just the basic, you know, gin, tonic water. Lime juice. Lime juice. Mm-hmm. And then blackberry liqueur. And it's super tasty. So cheers yes. to so you and your, your book. book. Oh,
2: sounds fabulous. Cheers. Oh, I wish I could see you drinking it right
1: now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll send you a picture. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. (laughs) So why don't we take a second to dive into your book and can you give us the background of finding your dad's journals and kind of the setting of what's happening in this story?
2: Okay, well, my dad passed away in 1995 and I came into possession of this Little suitcase, which I remembered from my childhood because he had gone through it and told me all kinds of stories about his trips through Europe and his journey with the Boy Scouts and just his whole experience at that time in his life. And he was almost 17 when he went on this trip. Um, And so I had the suitcase in my possession, but I like to say that it slept in quiet repose um, until I was able to have enough time to devote to going through it because there was a lot of things in there. Um, And along with the journal, um, but I had totally forgotten about the journal until I opened up the suitcase four years ago. So four years ago, I had to have a major reconstructive surgery done on my ankle, um, which meant I couldn't stand for six months, couldn't work for six months. And I thought, okay, I'm like a highly creative hyper person. I've got to have a really good project to keep me from going bonkers during this time period. Um, and I'm going to need something. And then the little light flashed down and said suitcase. I thought, yes. So I dug through all my stuff down in the basement and there's the suitcase, open it up. And lo and behold, there is his journal. This, um, journal chronicles a six week trip through Europe with the American Boy Scouts, his Boy Scout troop from Rochester, New York, who left at the pinnacle of the depression in the summer of 1933, you know, when everybody was just like, I I still can't even believe my grandparents sent my dad, a family of six with $50 in his pocket to go on this trip. I mean, they must have really sacrificed to make this happen. So um, anyways... When I opened up the journal, um, the first thing I had to do was was buy a huge <laughs> microscope, uh, not microscope, um, a magnifier with a with a lamp because he wrote in beautiful script, um, but used a fountain pen and the lines were super narrow, mm-hmm. so it was very it was like hieroglyphics. I mean, it was really difficult to read. So I was able to transcribe the whole journal. Um, And reading through it just kind of blew my mind because um, as they traveled through Europe, they went through Europe on their way to the Boy Scout World Jamboree, the fourth World Jamboree, held in Godola, Hungary. And um, on the way back, they traveled four days through Germany to go to Bremen, which is where their ship would sail them back to the United States. But. What what he recorded in those four days going through Germany um, really blew my mind because he was he was recording history. Um, you know, this is something that I I can't recall any account ever of a Boy Scout traveling through Nazi Germany. I mean, I, I've searched and researched to try to see if there were other books about this thing. There's no other books like this out there that talk about this very thing. And so um, I was sharing this with a cousin of mine who I'm very close to and told her about what I found and the story and all the artifacts and souvenirs and suitcase. But the story really kind of blew my mind because my dad had met while he was in Vienna, a Hitler youth who at the time... um, was really sad that he couldn't go to the Jamboree because Hitler had put out an edict that no Austrian or German boy could attend the Germany, the the um, Jamboree. And um, all, it was compulsory that all German and Austrian boys join the Hitler Youth. And so he didn't, he didn't have any choice. If you didn't join, you would be punished mm. severely. Um, probably sent to a concentration camp for disobeying this edict. So my dad talked to this boy at length and wrote about it. And at the end, my dad concluded, and I found him to be a fine fellow. And that kind of blew me away because I thought, okay, what my dad doesn't know is fast forward 10 years, Mm -hmm. he's going to meet a Jewish immigrant whose extended family was murdered by the Nazis in the invasion of Poland and you know, everything that ensued afterwards, um, you know, that happened in 1939. But here we are in 1933, and my dad saying this, and I thought, I wonder if that fine fellow had any part in the slaughter of my mom's family. Mm-hmm. And I was sharing this with my, you have to write about this. You You can't just put this away and let it go. You absolutely have to write about this. I mean, she compelled me. To write about it, and so I thought, okay, I do need to write about this because I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about it. It stirred up so much in me because um, I'm Jewish by birth. I wasn't raised Jewish. My dad um, was a gentile, Um, but like a lot of a lot of Jewish families that lost family in the Holocaust, um, they don't really like to talk about it. And my mom's mom. My grandmother never spoke about it, um, and it was her sisters and bro- brothers and cousins and grandparents that were murdered. Mm. Um, so we never talked about this at all going up. I just knew a little bit about our history, but I thought, boy, I, I could really, you know, buckle down and dig into this and try to find some research. So I started researching it, and, and this is how the book got started.
0: Wow. And it's interesting because I I think it's um, kind of like a historical fiction though, right? Like you kind it of is. have this story, but instead of kind of telling it directly, you decided to form more of like a narrative about it. So who are the main characters in the story that you created based on this?
2: Well, based on this, it's based on basically my father mm-hmm. and the boy, the Hitler Youth that he spoke to, his name was Wolfram Wolfton. And so Wolfie is the character in the book. He comes from this young man. But I I did research and couldn't find anything about this. You know, with Google, you think, I'll be able to find everybody in the world. (laughs) Um, But actually, that's not true. I wasn't able to find anything, any kind of record um, on this this young man, Um, you know, to try to see if there was anything about his life or... So... um, and then some of the characters came from my dad's Boy Scout troop um, that he spoke about. And as my dad grew up, he was still friends with some of these boys um, and in well into their adult years. Uh, they'd have reunions and things. And so my dad had shared a lot of different stories with me about them. And then Maddie, um, Maddie was a character that I created from a woman named Doris, who was a 17-year-old woman. And on the SS Bremen, the same ship that my parent that my father took um, from uh, the port in New York, um, they first went to I think Cherbourg, Sh- uh, and from there they took a they took another ship over. I can't, I don't have all the details on that. But this this woman Doris had all all of my dad's Boy Scout troop absolutely hypnotized because she was so mysterious <laughs> and. And they were like fascinated with her because she was really beautiful and had this dark hair and, and porcelain skin and real blue eyes. And at night, right before the sun would set, she, she'd walk the promenade and play her violin and, and my dad and, and his, his friends were all, you know, trying to you know, make time with her, like, oh gee, well, you know, who who is she gonna talk to? Is she gonna talk to any one of us or and she totally ignored them. <laughs> okay. Which I thought was really funny. But from from the description and the things that my dad had told me, um, I formed Maddie. And so um many of the other cusp uh, uh, um characters um Raymond Wellington is is basically that's my dad, um, but Buster is my dad as a seventeen year old, <laughs> and the rest of the characters are kind of an uh, amalgamation: family, friends, people I've known. I've just just to give them um, texture and to give them a vibrancy and a, a you know to kind of flesh them out. I modeled them after after people that i I knew
1: that 's awesome. Can we talk a little about your mom too, and how she struggled with discrimination after she immigrated as a Jewish woman to the United States?
2: absolutely she um, her Her parents fled um, Branovice, Poland, which I write about Broonovice in the book which was under occupation German and Russian occupation several times between like, I think the late 1800s and 1947, somewhere around there. It's now Belarus actually. Um, but at the time um, there was so much discrimination and hatred of the Jews that um being under this German and Russian occupation was incredibly oppressive. And my grandmother at 19 basically said, I'm out of here. And she went through the Polish corridor up through Switzerland and then took a, took a ship, a freighter to South America, Buenos Aires, Argentina, um, where um, she had an uncle and an aunt there. And she went there thinking, I'm going to go here and start a new life. I mean, she was a real rebel and a renegade in 1919 (laughs) to to do this. Um, And then her soon to be husband is also from Baranovic, but served, um, served with the, um, the British army in world war one. And so he also went to Argentina because a number of, his family had immigrated to um, Argentina. So, um, long story short, they got married, they fell in love, got married. My mom was born there. Um, two of her other siblings were born there. And then from there, they went to Peru. And then from Peru, they went to Ecuador. And then from Ecuador, my mom, her father, and one of her brothers went to the Panama Canal Zone. Fast forward to 1943, because there were jobs there, and they were very, very poor at the time. So here's my mom, this real idealistic 19-year-old, beautiful, um, bilingual, able to, well, actually, she spoke four languages, but um, got a job on the U.S. Army base as a translator, um, helping the American troops that were stationed there, because in Cologne, there was a, a big contingent of the U S army, um, anti-aircraft artillery specialist that was guarding the canal zone because of, uh, you know, just all everything going on with the German U boats and, and, you know, trying to protect, um, all of the U S interests. So she met my dad there. They fell in love, had a whirlwind relationship six months later, got married and, um, That's when I found out that my dad's family were were really kind of, I don't, it sounds really judgmental when I say this, but it was pretty much kind of the tenor of the time period where there was just so much anti-Semitism in the United States in the 40s. I mean, it was really, really kind of frightening. My grandfather posted a Wedding notice and totally left out my mom's last name, which had been anglicized to Silverstone. It was actually Zilberstein, but he left off her last name and called her my grandmother's name, Perla, and said, Matilda Perla married Raymond Lewis and the daughter of an Englishman and a Mexican American woman. And I found this in my deep dive research. Um, My parents never said anything about this, but my mom would talk about how my dad's sister. So let me back up a little bit. So he was still serving. My dad brought my mom to Rochester to live with his parents and his two sisters and brother um, while he finished his time serving with the army when the war ended in 19, you know, Late 1945, he came back to Rochester, but for almost two years, she lived on the third floor of her in-laws' house, and they all basically ignored her. Um, my dad's sisters and brother never asked her to go to lunch or go to the movies or go shopping or do anything, and she she basically was just on her own. And it was I, I couldn't imagine coming that far away uh, to a strange country into a family that you didn't know and knew nothing about and they didn't care for you because my dad was kind of the golden boy of the family. And they were devastated when he sent them a telegram and said, I got married to this wonderful woman who was born in South America and her family's Jewish. And they just, you know, I I guess the shock of it just was very difficult for them. And so, um my mom just was really an amazing example to me of strength and courage because she got herself into a high school program and really perfected her english and taught spanish she tutored so she could have money to spend things because my grandfather um she would have to approach him and ask him for money to buy even personal items. I mean, how absolutely embarrassing and horrible to have to do that. But that's the way, unfortunately, my dad set it up and, um, she didn't want to have to do that. So she just decided she'd make her own money and not have to ask them for anything. And then when, when my dad came, they got their own apartment in the, in the, um, I guess it was about the beginning of 1946 and got their own place and started their life together but it was really difficult and throughout her whole life um she heard all those horrible stereotypes and the types of things that people say about jews you know thinking it's funny and you know um my mom would say funny is when when everyone laughs not just one person
0: yeah yeah well, wow, I mean, it sounds like you could write a whole other book on just your mother's experience
2: through all I things. really could. I blogged about it a lot on my website. Now,
0: <laughs> I mean, she sounds like an amazing woman. And it sounds like this book offered you a chance to not only kind of get to know your family better, you know, for better or worse, um, but also to understand maybe a little bit more of the history as well. I mean, what other kind of research did you do outside of what your family was going through, because I'm sure it was, you had a lot of context to put in these, <laughs> these stories.
2: I really did. Well, interesting enough, about the same time I had done a 23 and me genealogy search, <laughs> um, because I wanted to, to figure out like all, all the family lineage. And mm-hmm. um, one day I got an email from, this guy that says, um, Hi, my name's Yisrael Silverstone and I am your first cousin once removed. Oh, um, okay. This is a total scam. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm really, I'm really, you know, circumspect of people like that reaching out, like totally, like, mm, suspect of mm-hmm. this, <laughs> this a scam. So I made him jump through all these hoops through emails back and forth, like, Okay, if we're related, tell me where was this uncle born and where, you know, where did our family come from? And so he passed with flying colors and he was able to fill in a lot of information for me um, that I didn't know about. And what I found out through Israel was that 80% of my mom's family um, is all Orthodox Jews. And my mom always told me they were Orthodox Jews and they wouldn't really probably ever have anything to do with me. And so I just, you know, when you hear that at like seven or eight years old, you're like, mm, okay. Um, I didn't even know actually I was Jewish until I was like seven or eight years old. I didn't even know what that meant <laughs> because my parents never told us this. And and that's another story in itself. But through Yisrael, he was able to help me piece together some of the background of my grandparents' journey and... Um, um, my mom because his grandfather was my mom's brother. And so they were the ones that went to Panama together. Um, his name was um, uh, Salvador. And so um, I also did research on the whole, even before I started to write the book, I did copious amounts of research on, on Germany and Austria and the whole boy scout organization and the, the, the Fourth World Jamboree, and tried to get as much context as I could, just enough information so that when I was writing about historical events, it would be absolutely accurate and not a fiction part of the story.
1: Yeah. So, can we tell everybody who's listening, because this is just such an enthralling story where they can learn more about this. Like where can they find you? Where can they find your blog? How can they buy this book?
2: Fabulous. Well, I have a website and it's very easy to remember because it's my name, www.kathyalewis.com. And on there is a sign up where you can sign up for my blogs. um, any, Any new writing that I do, I occasionally post recipes, which is really cool. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then locally here in Nashville, you can buy my book at Ann Patchett's bookstore, Parnassus. They're gonna be featuring it um when it when it um publishes next week. And then also on the Behemoth Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Um and really any any site Ingram is the major publisher of of all books and all these other stores basically go through Ingram. So any any school or any um, um, library or any any anybody that buys through Ingram will be able to access my book. But for just the everyday person that wants to buy it online, they can buy it through Parnassus, Barnes & Noble, or um, Amazon.
0: All right, perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on to talk about it. I can't wait for people to get to know your family better and <laughs> read your book and your writing. And we thank can't you. wait to hear more about it and hear more about what you're going to write next. Cause I'm sure it'll be fantastic.
2: <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Well, I found something that I totally love to do. Um, my cooking process and writing process are very similar, which is really kind of freaky, um, <laughs> but I do kind of the same thing. So writing was like almost a natural extension of What I've been doing for the last 40 odd years, the same process of research, get the ingredients, write the recipe, research, write an outline, write the chapter, same, same kind of process. So it became very natural thing for me. And now that I've started, it's like, you can't stop me. I just, I want to write all the time.
1: That's amazing. Well, your next blog menu should be like Judd family favorite. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I will I will do a cookbook that's going to chronicle my 40 plus year career. Good. Um yeah, which will have lots of stories and of of every time period and the people that I've cooked for and everything. So, um nothing no silicious or juicy details yeah. like Oh, yes.
0: Is there my too classy, friends. Too that yeah (laughs)
2: yeah but i i do have some really hilarious stories
0: Uh, well we can't wait well thank you again for coming on
2: holly katie great to meet you both and thank you so much for having me thank you (laughs) Bye. bye here bye